to the Food Magic Podcast. Join me on a journey to uncover the secret recipe to food and beverage industry success. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Food Magic Podcast. This is your host, Mishka, and I am beyond excited to introduce to you one of my very close friends and someone that just an amazing, amazing role model, my friend Parul Agarwal. She's the founder and CEO of Scope Communications and a managing partner at F&B Plus, which is an incredible boutique restaurant advisory firm. Parul, welcome. Thank you so much, <laughs> Michelle. I'm excited to be here. So happy to have you here. Parul, can, we're going to dive right in. Could you talk a little bit about your experience in the realm of the food industry, and I know you've gone through, so, like you've shed so many skins, so many different <laughs> different types of, um, you've just worked with so many different types of companies, so I'd love to hear about it. Sure. In the restaurant space, I have been with global brands, so I started with Subway World Headquarters, and I worked in Connecticut, and it was an amazing experience. <laughs> um, I actually worked with Jared, please don't judge me for that. Uh, this was pre all of the insanity. And it was one of those experiences where I learned that just because it seems like a simple thing to go order a sandwich, it really isn't. There was so much that goes into it. And it was exciting to be part of um, a company at the time that was really growing super fast. So that was amazing. And then from there, I moved to McDonald's Corporation, which was honestly where I think I grew up. Mm -hmm. Um, I was there for almost 10 years. And Working for a brand like that, like they know how to do everything and they teach and work with people that just brilliant, brilliant at what they do and they're truly the best in the business. And it was such an honor to be a part of that organization for so long. Wow, that is incredible. Um, Can you share a really memorable moment from your time at McDonald's, something that just like floored you? It was a really big teaching moment. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite story. So, In my role, I was in strategic communications, and a lot of the work I did included um, helping them prepare for conversations, uh, coaching them, and then also being in a place where uh, they had a trusted confidant that they could come Mm -hmm. and be like, let me tell you what's going on, and I need your opinion. In that role, I had seven different leaders rotate in and out. McDonald's doesn't play. Like, they're just, keep them going. (laughs) And one of them was my very first female boss, and her name was Debbie. And Debbie was, she was tough. Like, she was one of those women who have grown up in an industry that is mostly predominantly men. Yeah. So she came across very strong and somewhat brusque and very different than how I am. Mm-hmm. Literally the opposite, actually. <laughs> Other than just being a woman, like we were very different. <laughs> so working for her in the beginning was really hard because I didn't know how to um, connect to someone with that type of mindset. Like it was just sure. difficult. And I got to a place where I thought I was going to quit. Like I just, I couldn't figure it out. She was really hard to talk to. She was very challenging to understand what is it that Mm -hmm. she really wanted. And one day we were having a conversation and I don't know what happened, but I looked at her and I said, you know, what would be really great is if I could get to a place where I could sit at the leadership table and hear these conversations as they're happening so that I can do a better job of supporting you to figure out what happens next. And she made this funny laugh, and I was like, what was that for? And I thought she was going to make fun of me. And she said, if you're waiting in life for someone to offer you a chair, you're going to be waiting your whole life. 
go get a chair, pull up to the table, and sit down. And I looked at her, and I was like, what do you mean, sit down? She said, you can't wait for someone to invite you to sit at the big kid table. You get a chair, and you sit down. And if someone asks you to move, you scoot over. You don't move. And it changed how I looked at oh. everything I did wow, after that. that. So I powerful. know, right? <laughs> and I, I, it was one of those moments, honestly, Michelle, that I realized that I was so busy trying to feel like a victim, mm-hmm. and I'm not a victim. I have this, and she was the person who helped me realize that I have the power to do whatever it is I want to do, mm-hmm. and if I'm waiting for somebody to give me a hug and make it okay and invite me, I'm going to be waiting my whole life. So I really am grateful to her for that. Wow. <laughs> it's an incredible story. Um, so you've gone from this amazing career with two companies that all of our listeners have heard of, and then you went in a different direction. Can you talk a little bit about that? I know you went back to school, which is so impressive. Yes. Uh, after having two kids, um, I really loved working and I really love my kids, but it was becoming very difficult with the type of job I had. Mm -hmm. I was working so many hours, sometimes 75 hours a week, and having two small kids, it was like I was constantly burning the candle on every end. And so I had an opportunity to um, walk away from that experience after 10 years and start my own business. And it was a dream of mine ever since I was little, Mm -hmm. but not until Debbie told me to, you know, pull up my own chair, chair, um, (laughs) that I realized that I could go after my dream and see if I could make it a reality. So I started my own business thinking that I would like to focus on strategic communications, which is my wheelhouse, and um, really just try to find a better balance between family and work. And to do that, I started trying to sell what I did, and I had a little bit of a harder time than I thought because... It's not that easy to explain to someone who hasn't used strategic communications what it is. And so I would get really frustrated. And so one day I was complaining about it at dinner, and my my little son, uh, at the mm-hmm. time he was, I think, seven, he's like, Mom, you always tell me that if I don't understand something, to go learn about it. So why don't you go learn about it? Oh, my God. And I remember looking at my husband <laughs> going, man wisdom from a seven-year-old. You know what? So. I think it flows easier to kids. They have less of the bullshit of life on top right? of that. So when he said that, it made me realize that um, that's exactly what I needed to do. I needed to figure out what it is that I truly am passionate about and go back to school and really become an expert at it. So I went back to St. Joe's University and I decided to focus on executive coaching. That was the very best part of my job. And um, I got to tell you, you go through life and you think you really like something or you like your job or it's a, it's a good environment, but when you find what you love, it changes everything. And because wow. of my son having the lack of filter to just be like, Mom, <laughs> go learn something, um, I'm sitting here today with a certification in that. I went and got internationally certified, so I'm wow. ICF certified, and I love it every single day. It makes me so happy to help leaders do what they do. That's amazing. Wow. So what do you think is the future of Scope Communications? Where do you see it going? I, it's funny. I was thinking about this recently. And the way I see it is um, we all make ripples in the water, right? Whether it's a good ripple or a bad ripple. What I want to do with my business and what I deliver as a service is I want to make really big ripples for people, but in a really good way. So what I see is next is instead of um, 
the little pebbles that I'm throwing, I want to figure out how to make sure that I'm throwing really big rocks in service to my clients so that as they are embarking on their journey, they are truly able to go be the very best version of themselves. And it's not just a small change, it's transformational. So that's what's next for Scope Communications. It's finding leaders, helping them get there, and throwing really big rocks in the water. Wow. <laughs> Is there a focus of industry that you have with Scope, or are you open to, to people of different walks of industries? What's great about uh, what I do is it really doesn't matter um, mm -hmm. what industry, because everybody needs a cheerleader, and that's what yeah. I would say it is. It's like a cheerleader who has experience in a great deal of areas mm -hmm. whose sole purpose is to see you shine. Like, that's what a great coach does, at least in my definition. Yeah. And I don't think that that's exclusive to a particular industry. It doesn't matter, man, woman, senior vice president, vice president, director, it doesn't matter. Everyone deserves to have somebody who is cheering for them and standing right behind them going, you can do this, you got this, go get it. And I think that um, industry-wise, like sometimes I would say like the food industry is easier for me because of my background mm -hmm. um, in terms of relating to some of the challenges that they face, but it's not exclusive to the, the food and beverage space. It's yeah. all over. I love what you just said, having someone cheering for you. Who cheers for you? You can make me cry. I knew you were going to make me cry. Um, I, I can honestly tell you it's, um, it's been my husband. Mm -hmm. um, we all get to go through life and make friendships and, and find somebody to spend your life with. But for some reason, I did something really well at some point in my life because <laughs> I have the most amazing partner in the world. He cheers for me. He helps me get up when I fall down. He deals with my insanity. Yes, trust me, I'm insane. <laughs> um, and he helped me to bring into the world two amazing kids that are, I know are gonna change the world. So um, I would say that he's, he is my cheerleader and I turn around to look for him all the time. Wow, oh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> um, it is really important to have a support system Right, someone needs to help breathe through the oxygen, <laughs> allow allow what you're working on to grow and flourish because it's really it's difficult. It's taxing on your body, on your spirit, to go after anything. Um, so. It is, it is, and there's a lot of times, even yesterday or the day before, that you you get to a place where you're like, "Am I doing the right thing? Mm. Does this make sense for for me, for our family?" And to have somebody who's like, "Are you kidding?" you're doing amazing. Look at this and this and this and this. And it's like I forget all those things because I'm so busy looking ahead. Yeah. But he reminds me of all the places I've already been. And so it shows progress and it reminds me that I'm not just standing still. I am moving forward. So I can choose to quit, but based on what? So um, yes, I agree. Everybody needs a cheerleader. And the packages that they come in, I have a 45-year-old one, and <laughs> which is my husband, and I also have two little ones. Um, I think my son tells more people about what I do than I do. So, uh, yeah, he carries my business cards. He hands them out. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> well, you brought up kids, so what has it been like to grow in your career and also build a family at the same time? I'll tell you, it's really hard sometimes, and I'll start with that answer. Um, culturally for me, women stay home and mm -hmm. they take care of their kids and their husbands and tend to the home. And I know times have changed and it's obviously evolving, but 
my parents come from that generation. My mom yeah. stayed home with us, and it was amazing that she could do that. My kids don't want me to stay home with them. It won't go good. Nope, <laughs> not for them. Uh, just because I, I think that uh, my personality and theirs, we all want to experience life. And for me to um, try to do something that is 100% about somebody else's needs instead of also balancing it with mine will only last but for so long. So mm -hmm. doing everything possible for my kids, that's what I, I, that's my whole purpose of living now. But I also want to make sure that I don't lose myself in that process. And finding balance, it's a give and take every day, and sometimes I do good and sometimes I don't, but that's where having that partnership mm -hmm. um, really matters because where I start to um, have to pull a little bit of energy from one area, my husband will fuel it so that it's always full for them. So they have the support and love and attention they need, and we're both able, he and I both can go and do our thing when we need to so that we can both excel in our careers. So it's pretty That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Perul, I know you are an extremely well-educated and well-read person. Can you give us some book recommendations? Uh, so, yeah, the books I read are probably not appropriate to, to <laughs> share on air. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to read books that just have nothing to do with real that's, life. And that those are really important books, too. Uh, but I would tell you that the books that I'm really enjoying right now are um, books that actually help me become a better version of myself. Because it's really hard to sit in front of leaders and talk to them about how they need to lean in when I don't do it for myself. So um, difficult conversations, um, you know, the becoming an emotional leader, all of those books, although they're very cliche in some sense, mm -hmm. if you haven't read them, I highly recommend them because there's things on some of those pages that are transformational if you choose to read what it says um, and how it can apply to your life. So right now that's the space I'm in, mm -hmm. um, reading some really great books. And I can provide maybe a couple of other suggestions yeah. um, that I can send you and you can maybe share it with the totally. listeners. We'll so add it to the can, blog. That would be great. What about one book that's just for fun? Not business related, not personal development related. Just huh. That's a great question. <laughs> that's just for fun. Oh my gosh, I have to think about that for that's a second. Okay. We'll add it in. Okay. It's all perfect. We'll add it in. <laughs> <laughs> Was there ever a point of frustration that got you so, like, angry or got you so jazzed that it fueled your journey? Funny. Yeah, actually, there was. Um, I, it, being from a different culture, it's almost like you have different friend circles. Mm -hmm. And I had somebody in uh, more of the cultural friend circle ask me how I can like basically go to bed at night knowing that I don't spend time with my children Ugh. or that um, they never see me home. And I remember at first it made me feel horrible, like, oh my gosh, is that what people think? And then I was like, wait a minute, I'm always with these kids. You know what I mean? Like it, it was never that I wasn't there for them, but what it did is it made me angry because they didn't ask me about what journey I was on or what I was trying to accomplish in my life. They had judgment. And so it reminds me that when I meet other women who are trying really hard to do what they do, I look at them through the optics of, let me ask them, how's it going? Like, what's working really well for you? And what, what challenges do you face? Because there might be ways we can help each other. Because I know what it's like to feel like you're not on an island. Um, I'm on an island with 
two great kids and a husband, but <laughs> they don't run their own business, so sometimes the challenges I would face are foreign to them. But I, I would say that those are moments where I get frustrated because I feel like culture or expectation or judgment are fueling people's perception of me and my family. And what I would like to be able to show them is that the sky's the limit. Do what makes you happy and be able to go to bed at night knowing that you are the best version of yourself. And I am a better person today. I know I am because of the way I wake up in the morning and how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I give that to my kids and I give it to everybody that comes in contact with me because I'm happy. And I feel like that is what makes me feel like it's all worth it. Does that answer the question? Oh, beyond <laughs> answers the <Great>. question. <laughs> For sure. So I'm going to ask you the question we ask every single one of our guests. What is your food magic moment? And it could be some a food magic moment, rather. It could be at any part in your life. I actually have two. Um, the first one would be when I was really young with my grandmother, so my paternal grandmother. Um, they lived in a very small town, and I think, you know, my dad was raised not very wealthy. And she would cook from scratch in a way that I just I've never seen because that was their lifestyle. And I would watch her, and then she would feed me things, like little bites of things as they were cooking or when they were finished. And I don't know what it was. It's the same food my mom would make at home or I've had at restaurants or things like that. But those bites of food were like, if I could, it was like glitter in my mouth. Like it was, <laughs> it was amazing. And it's, I, maybe it's because she did it with so much love, but I think it was one of those things where whenever I think of her, I think of those moments that she would come and hand me a bite of food from her own hands and say, uh -huh. try this, try this. Because those <laughs> were the only words that she could say. That, go to sleep. Those are the things that she could say in English. But um, that was a magic moment for me. Um, then I think back. And then more recently as an adult, um, I'm a vegetarian, mm -hmm. and I don't eat fish. And so a lot of times the food options at restaurants and places, like it's very difficult to say you're a foodie. Times have changed. They have. A lot in the past few years. Ag agreed. So growing up, I didn't really know what that was like. It was like your typical spaghetti or pizza or whatever. I went to a five-star uh, restaurant in Nemecolon, and... <laughs> I remember thinking, like, why am I at a five-star re French restaurant uh, as a vegetarian? And the chef was so excited. Uh, he came out and talked to me, and he's like, I'm going to do something special for you. And it was one of those, like, nine-course meals. Yeah. And so I'm like, who eats nine courses? They were, like, the size of, like, a quarter. But, hey. It's a little amuse It's a little, exactly. <laughs> nine times. But every single thing that he sent out, I literally, everything else drowned away. Like, they, I was alone in a room <laughs> eating this food, and they paired it with wine, oh. and it was just like, every time I think about it, it gives me chills. And I think in that moment, I realized that there's so much more to food than just what I think is inside a box. That's what I was used to. Indian food or, you know, traditional Italian food. There's no Olive Gardens in my life now. Like, because of that yeah. experience, I, the, I want the authentic, I want the, the most beautiful versions of the food, and I get that when I am open to it. So that was an amazing moment for me. That's incredible. There has been so much happening 
in terms of veganism, vegetarianism, gluten-free. I mean, it's, what are your thoughts as someone that, you know, you were just, you went into it right away. It wasn't really a choice that you made, I guess, early on. It was just a part of your life based on culture. That's funny. It actually was a choice. It was a choice. Yes. Oh. So in my culture. Sorry for those No, no, it's great because it's usually how it is. Um, when I was five, I went to a farm um, with um, my family, and we were there to, like, pet animals. And back then, parents were a little bit more open-minded about kids wandering, and I wandered to where the cows were. And um, what I didn't know was why they were tagging certain cows a certain way. And so I asked the farmer, I said, why are you putting those red tags on them? And he said, because they're going to go get butchered. And I remember asking, what does that mean? And when he explained it to me, I literally thought the world just, like, dropped out from underneath me. I'm like, you're going to do what? And I hadn't, you know, when you're five, you don't realize what that means. But I went home, and I think I cried for three days. And up until that point, I was eating, like, hamburgers and hot dogs and things because my family, um, being first-generation Indian, everyone told them that you have to raise your kids on meat. So I was having meat, which is, like, not healthy meat, of course, but they didn't know that. Um, But after that experience, I remember that I decided that I was going to become vegetarian because I wasn't going to be part of that, only because it hurt me so much. So everyone should make their own choices. It's not out of uh, expectation. It's just for me there was a reason that it hurt me so much. And since five, I haven't had any meat. So it was a choice. Wow. That is an impressive story. Uh, But (laughs) I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. You were asking about, like... I was asking what... Well, you have... I guess that was a choice that you made very early on. But now that the food industry is becoming, at least in big cities, right? I can't say that it's everywhere. But overall, there, there are all these very interesting trends in food. What are your thoughts now? Like, you are able to enjoy more creative dishes. and It almost feels like I get to live now. And it sounds kind of funny to say it that way. Like, everything we do helps us live. Mm-hmm. But to be able to go out to some amazing restaurants in different states or around the world and have a dish that I would never have cooked myself or even heard of and have it be something that I will never forget, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that our society has shifted to be more welcoming and open-minded about veganism, vegetarianism, gluten-free, soy-free, nut-free, only because it allows people who have those um, constraints to still enjoy food at a a completely open level. So um, I am very grateful. And because of that, I eat at some awesome restaurants. (laughs) Awesome. If you want people to remember something particular f- about this interview, what, what message do you want to send to them? I think I'm going to go back to what Debbie taught me, that you know, life for all of us doesn't matter where we're from or where we're going. We can choose to either be the victim or to be the one with the power. And I say this to anyone who ever felt like, maybe I should start my own business or maybe I shouldn't. If you feel it in your heart, there's absolutely no harm in trying to figure out what it would look like for you to bring a chair and sit down at the table and go do it because this is the only life we know. And if I wouldn't have had this opportunity and having this moment with you right now telling this story, <laughs> it, it reminds me that um, there's so many blessings in so many different capacities. And I am truly blessed that I 
had the experiences I've had to bring me to where I am. And if anything from this conversation or a future conversation where I may have an opportunity to meet somebody who's listening to this, um, it would be my honor and pleasure to help them realize the power that they have and the things that they can go after if they really want to. I love that. <laughs> um, Perul, I know that you've also been working on a new company, experiencing some fun stuff with FNB Plus. So I was wondering if you can share a little bit about that experience and what it's like to, to work with other people and you know, dive in on the restaurant side. Absolutely. So because what I'm doing wasn't enough, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> um, the restaurant side of me, um, there is this almost camaraderie that comes from people who work in the restaurant industry, mm -hmm. as you know. And having an opportunity to work with some truly talented partners, we're able to bring our different skill sets to the table and provide guidance and support and honestly heart to things that we are all passionate about. So what we all do is work with different um, restaurateurs, organizations, um, depending on their challenge, and help them figure out solutions. Because there's always a point where it's almost like a tipping point that if you keep going where you're going, you're headed down a path where you may have to shut your doors. Um, we would like to be able to help people before they get to that tipping point so that that's not even on the list of things that could happen for them. With the knowledge and experience that um, we're able to bring, coupled with just our passion for helping people, it's it's an amazing thing to, to see someone whose entire family is based on this particular restaurant. They've invested everything into it. Yeah. And helping them stay not only just open, but to flourish, mm -hmm. That's a, it's a gift and it's an honor to be able to do it. So. Um, it's, it's something that it kind of ties really well into what I do as, a, as a, an executive coach. Yeah. Um, because it's about asking the hard questions and getting underneath what's really wrong. But it's being able to work with um, amazing people who make me better. Yeah. But also um, in the quest to help people. So that's a little bit about Love that. that. <laughs> so based on your experience and, you know, being a coach in the way that you are, what do you recommend for leaders? What, what are some of the key ingredients to success? That's a great question. It, not because it should be me, but every person should have somebody that they can talk to and be real with mm -hmm. that doesn't come with bias or politics or expectations. Sometimes people are lucky and they have that in a, in a friend. But when you look at your colleagues or you look at your family, they all have a, a different perception of what success looks like. If, if every leader were able to have a coach of some sort, whether it's one that they use sometimes or they use all the time, I think that they would find that there's so much more that they can open up about themselves in their own leadership space because somebody was willing to push them, help them, and cheer for them at the same time. I, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a single position in any company that wouldn't benefit from having somebody that they could talk to and tell them the challenge they're facing and then work strategically to figure out how to get past it. I mean, imagine how much turnover would reduce and stress would be reduced because you actually have somebody who cares to see you be successful. So that would be my advice. Yeah. <laughs> the key really is having the right people in place. Agreed. Completely agree. Is there a quote? 
that you like to return to that gives you some, some strength and power? Yes. Um, Mahatma Gandhi is something that not just as a, as a human, but just everything he stood for is something that I grew up learning about. Mm -hmm. My grandparents actually marched with him wow. on the Salt March. And um, when they would tell the stories, they would get so teary-eyed because even though they were thousands and thousands and thousands of people behind him, his leadership was what got all of them to walk in a certain direction with a certain mindset with a passion for doing what's right for them in a way that wasn't violent. Like it just, it's mind blowing to me. When I think of leadership, that's what it looks like to me. And he, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard this quote, but be the change you wish to see in the world. Yeah. I remind myself that all the time because I can sit and complain or say that this is not good or I don't like that, or I can figure out how to help make that change. And I think that that's how I uh, spend a great deal of my time as a mom, as a person, as a, a wife, as a coach, how can we create change so that the world can be a little bit better? Inspiring. I literally have <laughs> chills and I'm wearing a very fluffy sweater right now. <laughs> Parol, is there a good way that our, um, our community can reach out to you? Absolutely. I can share with you um, an email address or phone yeah, number perfect. or both. And if, if you want, you could spell out the email address, actually. It's probably a little long, but I'm going to try. Okay. It's, it's parole, P-A-R-U-L, <laughs> at scopecommunications, with an S, LLC.com. And again, we'll make sure that I get that yep. to you so you can include it. And I, if there's a leader out there that feels like they could use the type of energy and support that they've heard in this podcast, it'd be my honor and pleasure to, to help them because those are the people that are the most fun to work with. And as your friend, I just want to say Perul is quite the cheerleader. She has been a huge inspiration and support system for me. So if anyone out there, you know, needs needs someone to do that for them, Perul is the top of the line. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Food Magic Podcast. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Looks like we're all out of time for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to discover the secret recipe to food and beverage industry success. Make sure to tune into next week's episode. And in the meantime, spread the love. Check us out on Instagram or our website, Food Magic Podcast. Mwah!